Welcome aboard the Little Red. <laughs> <You're> on fire. <laughs> <clears throat> Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your podcast about the podcast, Too Beautiful to Live. In Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me from the Norovirus Ball Pit Studios in Kyle, Texas, it's Mike Frizzell. Good afternoon, Mike. Uh, good afternoon, Bobby. And our very special guest for this Phyllis Fletcher Friday Faves edition of the show in the Finney Ridge neighborhood of Seattle, Washington, the anthropomorphic animatronic nightmare studios... Phyllis Fletcher. Good afternoon, Phyllis. <laughs> hey, Bobby. <laughs> Hi, Mike. Hey, was there any other uh, neighborhood that Phyllis would live in in Seattle <laughs> besides Finney Ridge? Well, I was raised in Fremont. So <laughs> Which you they just spelling to, to it, change yes. the spelling on that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Ironically, yes. Finney with an F. Who knew? <laughs> Uh, as you can tell, we've got Phyllis here, and while we have her, Mike has some questions for her, followed by her January Phyllis Fave TBTL history clip, some housekeeping, and how you, yes, you, can get involved with our show. Uh, but before we get into our Phyllis Fave, uh, belated this month by a couple of weeks, thanks to the McFrizz Files series, which is now done, uh, Mike, in your capacity as a co-host and not... Um, a celebrity to be uh, put on the highest pedestal. Why don't you tell us about why we have extra questions for Phyllis this month? Well, I have extra questions for her because as we were going through the month and Phyllis was listening to the shows, I was getting messages about uh, her dad and her dad's um, prison experiences. And we've had a show before where we talked about your dad and I think we even put the, put your piece, um, your transom piece. Uh, yes. Up. With the show? Or on the uh, show? Yep. Yeah, we stole yes. that and blatantly put it in our feed for ratings. And <laughs> right. it worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope it right. worked. <laughs> and so, I mean, we, we knew uh, Papa was a Rolling Stone at least uh, 13 kids, or is it 13 besides you? Uh, 13 besides me. So 14 children with 13 different women. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he, he yes. obviously, you know, he spent some time on the streets, too. Yes. <laughs> but uh, before we get to the prison part, I wanted to ask you, um, what did you know about your dad and when did you know it? Like, did was he together for any period of time with your mom and how did that go and how quickly did things dissolve and what was your relationship with him? Well, you know, I didn't know they had been together together, like as a couple, or that we had been together as a family until I found pictures of the three of us from when I was a baby. And I found those when I was in high school. And um, they're beautiful, oh. like eight by 10 black and white, like professionally printed uh, portraits of us. And I remember just being shocked when I found that because my memories of my dad were from when I was a little kid and he would come over and, you know, like once or twice, um, he, he took me out, uh, with him and sometimes with my cousins, 
Um, like I remember one time just going with him and one time going with my cousins somewhere and just, he was, he was out of control enough to what I was compared to what I was used to, that he was like scary to me Mm -hmm. and like, you know, or he would stop by and then eventually my mom would be crying and he would leave. But like, I don't remember the details. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and I remember like in his, in his own way, he was trying to be like, fun guy to me like exciting mm-hmm. like i do remember one time going out with my mom to a concert or to a free concert in the park where my dad was playing and he was a really good musician and i remember dancing with my friend like we were probably four or five so i remember like little things like that um um so that's you know what i knew about my dad was that he was you know wild and to me like a little scary but you know if he was in like fun dad mode like kids really loved Mm -hmm. him you know and other grown-ups thought he was hilarious and you know he was he was kooky like that so you had intermittent contact with him through your entire childhood yeah probably up until i was yeah like i i had contact with him intermittently probably until i was about seven and at that point i found out that he that i had a new little brother um my mom found out and told me and I was excited, you know, and my mom told me in a way that it was like, you know, a positive Mm -hmm. thing. And I remember it was, it was December. Um, and I was, I wanted to meet him. I didn't end up getting to meet him until I was an adult, but I found out his name was Jabari and I found this, um, this Christmas ornament at the, at the, um, craft bazaar at my church where the loop, uh, it was a candy cane, but the loop of the candy cane had been sewn on the bottom by accident. So it looked like a J and I asked my mom to buy it so I could give it to him. And, um, and I, I, I had it for years. Um, I think I still have it somewhere. Um, but I told him about that to, you know, when I finally met him to explain how excited I had been to find out about him. Um, but yeah, I didn't get to meet him until later. And it's, it was because, um, his mom also found our dad scary and wanted to, you know, kind of protect herself and Jabari from, you know, any reestablishment of contact. So, Sweet Phil, super charming, I guess, and could get anyone excited for a short period of time about him and his <laughs> yes. his talent and his personality. But then it wears thin, he's gone, but his progeny are left behind. You, you've mentioned these letters that you used to get from prison. Did he spend a lot of time in prison? Did, was it more time as he got older, as his offenses piled up? And what kind of offenses put him in prison? Yeah, I mean, the ones I know about are violent offenses. And so, um, like we learned in the piece about my dad, the the one that he was serving time for when I got those letters, I eventually found out was because he had tried to kill his wife. And um, he, she eventually didn't cooperate with authorities. And um, as a result, the charges were downgraded. And, um, and so he only served a couple of years for that as like an assault Mm -hmm. charge and not an attempted murder charge. Um, and he, after he got out, they were, you know, like by the time he was going in, they were basically back together. And so by the time he got out, they were together and, um, you know, she says, and he always also said that he didn't, you know, he didn't hurt her anymore after that. But, um, 
he was still, you know, he still had violent outbursts. And one time, I think, I think it was a friend of his who was trying to help him move or something. They ended up getting into a fight. And um, my dad cut him a bunch of times and left him in a moving truck. And um, my dad uh, was eventually caught for that and went through a trial. But he uh, defended himself and won and um, didn't have to go back. Wow. Sounds like he he was a very smooth talker. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think that he found the key to his self, to his defense in court was to make it look like the whole thing had been self-defense. And to do that, he only had to unearth dirt about the other guy. Oh, right, right. And he successfully did that and did not serve any time, you know, was not convicted for anything related to that. So he has a, he has a little taste for violence and that's going to land him in even worse joints than I landed in. So he's going to be doing stints in the, in the state penitentiaries. Um, you remember when Bill said that, uh, he wasn't that worried about me cause he, he knew I would figure it out. Yeah. Did you kind of feel that way about your dad going into these bad prisons? Is like um, he charms his way at, through every situation. He's going to be okay. Or we? Did you ever really worry that he that he was going to um, get killed in prison? Well, I didn't really know what to think because I, at that point, had never visited a prison or jail. So I, you know, and even then, as a visitor, you only get this kind of surface view. You can get your picture taken in front of the Paris background with the guy in his khaki khaki shirt. I've seen many, many of those pictures and know exactly what you're talking about. Phyllis, can you remind us how old you are? Yeah. I mean, at the point that I was corresponding, uh, um, at the point that I was corresponding with my dad, um, I was 18, uh, 18 through 20. And so, you know, when my dad was uh, in prison or jail when I was younger, I didn't really know about mm. it um, because after I was seven or so, I I only heard from him once. He called me spur of the moment when I was in high school once. How does that make you feel when you get that call? I was completely shocked because I still remember I was I had call waiting, <laughs> which was awesome. And I used to talk to my friends on the phone for hours and I was talking to my friend Mara. And um, we were talking, talking. I was like, oh, hang on. I got another call. Switched over. It was my dad. I was like shocked. Switched back to Mara. I was like, "Um, I have to go because that's my dad. And she was like, oh, my God, call me. (laughs) And I I did. Um, But yeah, it was it was strange. I mean, I I just kind of, um, you know, like it was it was one of those things where I guess I would say, based on my memory of it, and I probably have a diary entry about it somewhere um, but based on my memory of it, I was like I was responding to his controlling the call first of all, he controls the call anyway because he made the call, right like he knew he was going to make the call. I didn't know I was going to be receiving this call, so I was completely unprepared, mm-hmm. so already we're on his agenda, right. And I just remember him, you know, kind of going through the motions of how you might talk to a kid you haven't talked to in a long time of like, you know, how's school? How's your mom? Um, The one aspect of it that is extremely memorable because it stood out was he was asking me if I was fine as a motherfucker or what. (laughs) 
ha, ha, ha. Uh, which is not a very fatherly no, thing to ask. That's like a you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, me being a teenage girl is like, you know, ha, ha, I don't know. <laughs> um, and uh, it was, uh, that was just my dad, mm-hmm. you know, that was how he talked to ladies. Right. Um he might have asked if uh, if I needed him to kick somebody's ass or something. I don't really remember. That was an offer he made frequently. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That was one thing that you that I got in in your messages was that um, <laughs> your your dad seemed to be maybe for hire or also for favor <laughs> yeah. was ready to cut people or. Yeah, I had this really frustrating situation. Um, this was after he was out and was able to make phone calls. So at this point, I was I was in Baltimore for the summer in college, summer before my senior year of college. And my dad was back uh, living in Denver with his wife. Um, after he got out, they moved to Denver. And... Um, and he would call now and then, you know, I always had a different phone number because I was, you know, like I was, I would be in the same dorm for like nine months and then I would, you know, be somewhere else for the summer. And, um, and, um, he, so I get, he had gotten my Baltimore phone number, but, um, I was, I was, I was doing this research assistantship at Johns Hopkins and I was like never in my, they put us up in a dorm room, um, that had its own phone line, but I was like never in the dorm room. I was always like visiting friends in DC for the weekend, or I was working in the, in the lab, um, um, you know, or I was going to the computer lab after I was done. And I was just, I pretty much was just going to my dorm room to sleep. And I had this frustrating situation where I had completed the obligations of the program. And at the time, I thought I was going to go to grad school for psychology. And my, um, my professor whose lab I had been assigned to basically at the end, she must have had a couple more weeks worth of work she wanted me to do, but she cast it as like, you know, I'm not satisfied with your performance this summer. And the only way I'll write you a decent recommendation is if you give me another week for free. Hmm. And um, it was totally unethical, but I was um, intimidated enough. And, you know, it was the end of the summer. So the administrators of the program were gone on vacation And so I had no one to really turn to. And I basically had a choice of like, okay, completely flush the recommendation down the toilet or give this woman a week for free. And I was like, I have a problem. I have, you know, this program is over. I have to move out of the dorm. And she was like, you can move into, uh, you know, you can either um, stay at my place for a week or I'm sure Bill here would let you stay with him. Fortunately, Bill was a really nice guy um, and, you know, was not like, you know, menacing person in any way. Um, you know, so I, I felt horrible that he was put in this position, but he was like, of course you can stay with me. He was really nice about it. So on my last night or last day in the dorm, my phone actually rang in my dorm, which was really unusual. And I picked up and it was my dad and I was like, Hey girl, what's going on? You know? And, and, uh, I was like, he was like, I've been trying to call you all summer. You know, you're never there. I was wondering if I had the wrong number. I was like, Oh no, you know, this right number, but only for like a few more hours because, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I explained to him all this stuff with my professor and, you know, I'm about to be in somebody's apartment and, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't even know what his phone number is, but you know, yeah, this would have been your last chance to get me at this number. And, um, 
And he was so frustrated to hear what I was going through that his response was, that bitch lucky I ain't working for her. I'd cut her ass. <laughs> I was like, thanks, Dad. Good thing you don't have a lot of that in thanks. you. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Well, then, you know, ironically, this is actually the uh, a sad thing, but it turned out that the kid, Bill, whose apartment I went to stay in, he was trying to get out of a relationship with an abusive boyfriend. And that is one of the things that guy did. And years later, um, you know, so I was afraid that guy was going to come to our apartment and um, stab one of us. But years later, that Bill's boyfriend made headlines by uh, doing that to his partner at the time and their toddler. Um, And he did that here in Seattle. Mm. So um, there were, menacing people with knives <laughs> like one degree away from me at all times and i just a lot of knives uh, involved in your story yeah really <laughs> what's up with that so um yeah uh i guess knives don't kill people <laughs> not as quickly <laughs> people or as easily people. yeah uh, exactly. so what yeah. i want to ask you about um your listening to my talk particularly about being in County jail and and in the feds, just me going on for over a month about it. Did did yeah. you did you feel like you took anything away from that? Like like felt like you knew more about what your dad went through. Yeah, in some ways. I mean, my dad, like you said, he was in a state facility, so he was in Vacaville. If you ever met anyone who was in mm-hmm. that, um, but so it's like, I mean, one thing that. I thought was nice for you was it seemed like you were a lot safer in Mm -hmm. your situation. And I think that's partly because of who you are and partly because you were in the federal system. Um, My dad's situation seemed a lot rougher. And I mean, my dad was always the kind of person who would um, like, he would scrap with you um, no matter what, even if he was smaller. Um, You know, he, he like the one time that he, wrote me from the hole, he basically told me in code that he and some dude had beef. And so he somehow got hold of something that would cut the shit out of the guy. And he did that. And that's how he ended up in the mm-hmm. hole. But, you know, he wrote that, like, not admitting to anything, but it was really clear from the uh, smiley faces he inserted, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how he was being um, sarcastic about how he was describing yeah. it. Um, but, it's, you know, like he also was in a dilapidated facility and um, it seems like the places that you were weren't that bad, especially at the end when you were at the brand new place. Yeah, absolutely. And SeaTac. They just wouldn't, they just wouldn't let me outside where I was supposed to go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bastards. So, you know, I mean, it, either of those is inherently dangerous because you're at the mercy of this system that, you know, is flawed and has people in close quarters and, you know, there's, you know, everything from fights to disease to poor nutrition can conspire to shorten your Mm -hmm. life, um, much less the fact that people aren't being rehabilitated. But um, it kind of made me feel like, well, your situation was safer and protected you more than my dad's situation uh, protected him. But, um, you know, he, he was, you know, it's like, he he probably would have been a shit starter in any <laughs> right, circumstance. Right, right. You're going to get a few of him in a federal joint. You're going to get a lot of him in a state joint. 
because in the yeah, feds yeah. it's, uh, it's so. mostly bank robbers and drug dealers, and then and then <laughs> you know then you get murderers who did it on a army base like like Captain McDonald, or you get people that oh, uh, yeah. did did their dirt in in protectorates where there's no good jails, you know, or they did it international yeah. waters. So you're finally drifting into my territory because this is every episode of NCIS. Oh, right. They're in the open water. Right, right, right. It's, it's federal, or, or just Navy crime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So those guys were the wild cards in the feds. If if it was, yeah. you know, if it, if it occurred in those type of places, those guys could be in for anything and they could be fucking crazy. But most, uh, most bank robbers and drug dealers, it's just a money motivated crime. And it's like, um, I, if I can't steal any money in here, then I'm, I'm not going to be committing any crimes in here. Right, right. Well, th- this is something I learned um, from my family when I was doing this project on my dad, that at one point, um, he had his behavior had gotten to the point where my grandfather and um, my dad's stepmother thought that the best thing for him was to be put in military school. Mm. And um, he was sent away. And he got the idea at some point that this other kid was like, fucking with his dessert like he thought that the kid was um either the kid was gonna take it or was looking at it or something and um my dad ended up um beating the kid with a baseball bat like in his sleep oh my god and yeah i mean the kid lived and stuff i guess but um you know at that point they're like okay military school isn't a good fit (laughs) right can the guy a bayonet? Who can the guy who likes right, to cut, cut people a bayonet? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just his. From a very young age, his needs were not met. Mm-hmm. You know, and that just got worse and worse and worse over time. But you know, here we are. I'm super <laughs> glad that that you didn't. I mean, you you go on some great crazy rants in our chats, but you don't stab anyone. <laughs> no, I never. Only no, with your no, words. No. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and those, and that, that chat yeah, is sacred, uh, so it's a safe place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unlike my dad, I am a um, mostly peaceful person. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do seem to have inherited his wit. Yes. But um, I'm much more like my mother. So um, wit and, and charm. She's a very peaceful person. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yes. So, Mike. Thank you for finding something in Phyllis's amazing life story that you could kind of make about yourself. It's nice to have you back as a co-host. <laughs> you, knew, you knew I would do it. <laughs> and Phyllis, thank you for unfolding even more of the mystery that is uh, what brought you to you now. Because every time we ask, there's something new and exciting. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> there's always something in there. <laughs> uh, let's move on to why we're here today. Uh, which is that we have one more official Phyllis Fave month edition. We started this series in February of last year, and so we have not yet gotten a January favorite from you. Uh, I think it's probably safe to say, uh, as a spoiler alert to everyone, we're probably not going to stop doing this anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) Because Phyllis has more favorites. Yes. Oh, I have so many. (laughs) Many, Well, we have a January favorite for you for the first time. Uh, Phyllis, do you want to tell us a little bit about where you're taking us before we listen to this tape? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, we're going to hell. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> there are few things I dread more than a kid's birthday party. <laughs> and um, they're getting a little better now that my kid is is uh, seven because um, a lot of them are drop-off parties, which is great. Um, or even if they're not, like you can kind of disengage and space out, you know, talk to other parents who are cool, that kind of thing. Um, but um, uh, this is from uh, January 13th, 2009, uh, when a 10 pointed out to Jen a trend um, of that, that eventually spawned a new segment. So this spawned a segment from a segment. Um, you might remember the segment, Awesome Not Awesome. And um, this is a sub-segment of that that went on to become its own thing from episode 245. Yep. So just like David S. Pumpkins, this is the birth of something that is its own thing. Yes. <laughs> Classy gold pin with the letters TTM. Talk to me. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to the TBTL. We're doing awesome, not awesome, and uh, violence at a Chuck E. Cheese. I think can only fall under the category of not awesome. Absolutely. Although I've not heard the details, uh, Jennifer. What what do you have for us from the from the um, novelty restaurant? Uh, child arcade newsroom, news desk? Well, it's a story that's actually sweeping the entire nation, as you're going to find out. But I want to just start in Susquehanna Township, Uh Pennsylvania, sure, uh, where the police have been called like 20 times in the last few months. Um, They've arrested, like just last weekend, they arrested 13 different people. And these are not children. These are adults who are fighting at Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) And... Apparently, according to uh, Township Police Chief Robert Martin, he says, the violence stems from ongoing disputes among people who bump into each other in the restaurant. That all right there seems shocking to me that you're just out at Chuck E. Cheese and you bump into somebody with whom you have a longstanding feud. I think that I don't think that there's a longstanding feud. I think that people are, you know, very if they're the next to go into the ball pit, they they're (laughs) that, you know. You don't need somebody bumping into you or knocking you off of your centipede machine or whatever you're doing. Right. Watching the the, the Country Time Jamboree. Well, there's been several melees involving like up to 20 adults. What? Where the police have had to come in and, and arrest everybody. Uh, last week, there was a man who was running around the restaurant spitting and yelling at people. And then after he would spit on them, tell them he had hepatitis C. This is all at the same Chuck E. Cheese? Yes. In Susquehanna Township. Yes. Let's put that on the don't visit list. Right. So I thought, well, that's interesting. And then um, about uh, earlier today, Susquehanna made the uh, you know pretty radical decision that they're actually going to post police at Chuck E. Cheese on the weekends from now yes. on. Yeah. You, I'll tell you what, though. I can see how this happens because who, you know, and I, I, I find myself in this camp, I guess, who has, you know, a bunch of running around kids? A lot of times it's people who aren't great at planning when they're going to have their little running around kids, you know, and they may be young 
and they're basically children themselves. Like I can see a Chuck E. Cheese that's full of like 22, 23 year old people that have, you know, kids and lots of them, but they themselves are not fully emotionally developed. And it's, you know, they're seriously, they're into the video games as much as their, their kids are. And they're also kind of, Easily inflamed, getting in fights. Well, when Chuck E. Cheese was contacted, uh, the corporate office about this violence, they said, well, we have security, we have security cameras, and we have employees dressed as Chuck E. Cheese. I did not know that Chuck E. Cheese himself at the restaurant is considered security. security. Well, would you mess with a six and a half foot rat? And that's terrifying. That is just terrifying. Well, I want to take you over to uh, Fairlawn, Ohio now, where the problems have gotten a lot Worse. At also a Chuck E. Cheese? Mm-hmm. What? Seven cops were needed to break up a melee involving 40 people who were knocking over chairs and screaming at each other right in front of the stage where a singing chicken and a guitar-playing hound dog were <laughs> delivering their merry tunes. That was only one of 12 fights there in the last two months that have needed police action. At that same one in Fairlawn? Yes. In Toledo... Wow. Four mothers were arrested after a brawl that followed an argument about the length of time someone's daughters were hanging out at the drawing machine. Ten people squared off. In the featured bout, one loving mother was using the entrance rope as makeshift nunchucks. What? Swinging Where the is metal. this coming from? Where is all this coming from? <laughs> this is coming from Ohio.com. The Beacon. Have you heard of The Beacon? I, I haven't. They're in Ohio. I haven't. The Beacon Journal. Bob Dyer is doing some, you know, amazing work yeah. in covering this kind of violence going on. And then, you know, the irony of the whole thing is that the uh, motto of Chuck E. Cheese is a magical place for families. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I was at a place when I was in L.A. Um, a couple trips ago that was not a Chuck E. Cheese, but it was like a pizza joint where they had some video games and they had all the football games on. And there was a bunch. It was a, it was a peaceful situation, but I could see how if the wrong, you know, I could see how basically you get a bunch of guys in their 20s who are dads, but who are not in any way capable of adult behavior. You get them together. I don't know if they serve alcohol at Chuck E. Cheese. I assume they don't. But who knows? Maybe they have beer for the parents, mm-hmm. and you get people in there, and you know they're all they're all wound up, and the kids are wound up, and it's like it's it's a powder keg. Yeah. Well, and again, the other thing that's a huge issue that I didn't say right off the bat, which I should have, which is that a lot of these are situations where the parents are divorced, but it's their kid's birthday party, so they're oh. both there, and that leads to all sorts of troubles with. Spouses and ex-spouses and new boyfriends and you know what I mean. Oh my gosh, yeah, this so is that's a real powder keg there. It's like the Gaza Strip, yeah, <laughs> with Hawaiian pizza and a huge room filled with balls. That you know, I've never thought of that, but that is a really good point. I mean, it's a it's it's just asking for it's asking for trouble because you have these family dynamics and you know it's loud and everyone's getting kind of worked up. And Rick, really, come on, who takes their kid to Chuck E. Cheese? So you're probably not getting the, you know, world's. I mean. Uh, Whatever. I've been, I went to Chuck E. Cheese when I was 17 for my friend's birthday, and it was super fun. I'm not even kidding you. Well, generally, you're passing your kid off every other weekend or whatever. This is the, at a birthday party is when you're forced to right. be with your ex right. for a prolonged, and there's, yeah. you know, tension and it's loud, like you said. Yeah. Wow. So. This is, well, this is, obviously, we're going to stay on this, right? Yeah. And special thanks to Jim of the Belltown Tents who alerted me to this uh, amazing situation going on in our country. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll 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 I mean, stay we on the case. We need to turn our eyes towards home. That's you know, right. We're busy looking internationally at no, violence, but yeah. we've got it right here. Yeah, we do. We do. And I and I think that this has been for me really eye opening. So thank you. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm steering clear of all Chuck E. Cheese and even Dave and & Buster's. And at least stay away from the rope. Yes. Because the entrance rope is yeah. the worst That can be turned all. into nunchucks. So, <laughs> all right. Well, from from one amazing news feature to another, we're going to take a, a break here and speak with Josh Kearns, who's got all of the non-Chuck E. Cheese-related news, and then we'll come back and do more Awesome Not Awesome in a moment. I feel like Kyle, Texas, is the Chuck E. Cheese's of cities. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Not to make it about me again, but... <laughs> I Okay, so let's see. By the time Chuck E. Cheese was a thing in the Seattle area, I was 12 or so. At least by the time... I was aware of it, and uh, or maybe ten or eleven, and so I actually did go one time, um, uh, and it was with my day camp though. So I must have been more like ten or eleven because I, I think the last summer I went to day camp I was eleven, and um, and it was it was okay because it was you know in the middle of a weekday. So it was really, you know, day camp mm-hmm. trips were probably the only things, you know, that probably made up the bulk of their business during a weekday in the summer. But I do still remember the smell. I mean, that motherfucker was dank. It was nasty. And the closer Chuck E got to you, it's like the smell would waft oh, over no. you. So it was vile. <laughs> um, because those, those, they just, I mean, I think Disney puts a lot of money into keeping their, um, you know, anthropomorphized rodent costumes clean. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, the Linwood Chuck E. Cheese or whatever it was at the time just didn't have that kind of budget. So it was funky and it was gnarly. And, like, we would, like, you know, run away from the thing when it would come over. Um, But unfortunately for me, I also had to go decades later as an adult. And it was just as gross. Um, I mean... The nice thing is, I think, um, you know, cities where there are a lot of rich people now have more sophisticated kinds of things like this, where they just design it around, okay, what do kids want to do? And what do the adults who are stuck here want to do? And, um, you know, they set it up that way, and they take a proportionate amount of your money as a result. But it's like, you know, it doesn't have this kind of depressing, like, you know, turnstiles and bad feng shui and nasty um, costumes and, you know, all the cliched things that we kind of poke fun at uh, Chuck E. Cheese about. Um, it doesn't it doesn't have those things. But, um, man, the, the, it's it's gross. Sorry, Chuck E. Cheese. You're gnarly. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck e. Cheese is, I think, is the official name of it. The Chuck E. Cheese is, didn't come yes, in right. to Bellevue where I grew up until I was probably a teenager. But when I was a little bit younger – uh, you know, nine, ten, eleven. There was a place in the Crossroads Mall, which is the nearest mall to my house, called Showbiz Pizza, which was oh yeah a knockoff, <laughs> I think, or maybe Chuck E. Cheese's knocked them off and took over. I don't know how that worked, but it was the animatronic bullshit. And uh, you know, as a kid at that age, I I was never more susceptible to pizza and and arcade yeah. games. Never more susceptible. Yeah. Yet, I avoided yeah. that place because it gave me the fucking creeps. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's gross. I mean, um, you know, when, when I was really little, I liked pizza and pipes, but by a teenager, I probably would not have dug it. Luke has mm-hmm. talked about that before. It's now the the um, so he would he would harangue his mom when he was being quote unquote homeschooled uh, into taking him to pizza and pipes um, instead of doing school. Um, and it was in Greenwood near where he and I each grew up and um, it's a Bartell Drugs now uh, and it was a uh, video store for a long time before that but it was that same kind of thing like it was it was a very much smaller chain than showbiz mm-hmm. um, and the same type of setup but the cool thing was it really did have a genuine pipe mm-hmm. organ um, so you know that I kind of like plus the weird puppets it's like they weren't coming up to you <laughs> um, and you know as a little kid your your pizza taste is a lot less sophisticated so you know yeah. I thought the pizza was fine um, but um, yeah that so you know pizza and pipes has definitely been a TBTL discussion and also showbiz has because there was that dude yeah. who set up all of the the entire showbiz pizza the rock of fire and stuff explosion in his I think is what it's yeah called. right yeah, he set that up, and they actually got him on the that, phone. That video takes me back to yeah. a creepy time from my childhood when I was like, yeah. "I don't, I don't, I feel like if I stay around here long enough, I'm going to get raped." Yeah, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> by by an animatronic thing, or a real person, or a mascot. One of these things is going to try to put its penis inside my butt. Oh dear! <laughs> so I got to get out of here. You can keep your pizza. You can keep your games. I'll find them separately in other places if I have to. Right. Well, and you know that's that's what my mother did. Um, what? So the two times that I got a birthday party were when I turned eleven and when I turned twelve. And um, it's just that my mom couldn't have afforded to do it before that. But those years she was able to. And um, when I turned 11, we went to Pizza Haven on the Ave for y'all Seattleites, Pizza Haven. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was good. So we went there and then we went to Spaceport and went nuts, mm-hmm. and um, which was a video game arcade that I think that Luke has mentioned before. And um, the manager like felt so bad for my mom when he saw her <laughs> like walking in with all these insane eleven-year-old girls that he gave her a roll of quarters. Nice. So that was pretty awesome. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Um, and then um, and then when I turned twelve, we went to Spaceport first, and then went to Godfather's, um, also mm-hmm. on the Ave, um, which coincidentally is in the building that I now work in. Solid um, choices, the, all. Yeah, but those were those were. You know, that was the kind of do-it-yourself of that, which, you know, also dispensed with the weird um, puppet-type <laughs> right. stuff and just gave you what you wanted. You know, the pizza and the games. Um, but, yes, um, places are really sophisticated now about how to um, get into your pocket for your kid's birthday. <laughs> uh, weird weird puppet stuff took a real dive there for a while, but, but thanks to the internet has come back in spades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, totally. Have you guys been to Chuck E. Cheese as an adult? Uh, I have not. Um, yeah. Not for legal reasons, but for social ones. <laughs> There's a Chuck E. Cheese yeah. not far from my house. Um, yeah. Which does serve alcohol, by the way. Something I looked into before. <laughs> a reasonably oh, priced beer and wine, actually. Really? Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, I have not... Uh, been to a Chuck E. Cheese. In fact, I only vaguely remember them as a kid. I think I only went once or twice, certainly never for my birthday party, because that would have been far too rich for me as a kid. Um, yeah. And we also had some alternate options. There was a 
uh, a skating rink called Spinners with a Z. Uh, it was very 90s. Sure. Oh, Christy, yeah. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, that we would go to um, every few weekends. We would go and we all had our own rollerblades because such was my generation. Um, oh, yes. And, um, Phyllis, did you have rollerblades too? Um, um, only in college because that was a 90s thing. Oh, my thing. God. So, I didn't know this about everybody. Yeah. Y'all had rollerblades. Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. In New York. If you could scrape together the money, you had to have rollerblades in New York. I'm in the done 90s. hopping. I'm, we'll get you a rollerblade. <laughs> I'm going to rollerblade yeah. around the house behind my walker. There you go. <laughs> uh, we also had something called Discovery Zone, which I think was meant to be a slightly older kid's um, adventure land knockoff mm-hmm. competitor uh, to Chuck E. Cheese, which had the ball pit, but it also had like tubes and things you could climb through and what I always think with these types of companies, which is that there's just no logistical way that any of that could be sterilized. No. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, it's all as filthy as a cruise ship Ugh. all the time. Uh, hence the <laughs> norovirus ball pit studios. Right. Um, Yuck. <laughs> I have a couple of notes. Uh. The first is that while we were talking, I did a quick Google search and found an article, a mental floss article, about the rivalry between Chuck E. Cheese and Showbiz Pizza. I was not aware of Showbiz Pizza. Before this conversation, oh. uh, but it appears that it was a defector franchisee or something. So there's like a real um, legend rival story backstory to Showbiz Pizza versus Chuck E. Cheese. Showbiz was the defector, wow. or Chuck E. Cheese's was the defector. Uh, it looks like it looks like Showbiz was intentionally designed to knock off. Okay, um, and it shows people would would weight the options of Showbiz having better animatronics, but Chuck E. Cheese having slightly better pizza. And I forgot. I mean, I didn't. I don't remember what the pizza was like at Chuck E. Cheese, but I remember at Spinners that the pizza Uh was the kind of pizza that was just put on a a record turntable style thing under a heat lamp, where it just turned under the lamp. And it was the worst. Oh no, that's Um, terrible. Let's talk about (laughs) the people that are involved in these melees. Yes. (sighs) Well. Um, I want to make a point first, which is that, well, I did not stop there. I have driven through Susquehanna Township, Um, Pennsylvania, which is uh, just outside of, I want to say, Harrisburg. And uh, my brother-in-law's wife is from down that way. And that is just southern central Pennsylvania. Um, And it's all kind of the same. So when you talk about these people, keep something in mind, which is that it's the middle of nowhere. Um, And it's very possible that Chuck E. Cheese is one of the biggest enter- – I mean, it's probably the entertainment option for all ages, but primarily for kids and the parents who end up there with them. It's it's the thing. you know. It's the Disney world of central Pennsylvania. Mm. The, uh, the founder of Chuck E. Cheese's invented Pong. Get out of here. So there's a, there's a fact for you. So he, wow. had, he had one good idea. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I'm sure he's making plenty of money on his other idea. Yeah. Right. It was just terrible. That's all. I, I should actually qualify what I said about it being Disney in that Harrisburg's like right next to Hershey, Pennsylvania, which has an amusement park. Right. So, so oh. that might have been a bad choice. But it, what I'm saying is, you know, there aren't tons of chain restaurant options and and nice yeah. op. You know, they've got Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> What, what, yeah, are, what I yeah, want to say I about this it. crowd where these melees are starting, and they had a, a quote from 
um, somebody, I think, from the company that was saying, uh, you know, folks bumping into each other that probably, you know, it's a bad idea for them to be in the same room. Um, mm-hmm. I, know, I know a lot of young couples, they, they have a kid and they're miserable in their marriage and they didn't date enough people and they, they want to go do something. Having to go to birthday parties at Chuck E. Cheese's with uh, where your ex is going to be there with some dude named Snake or whatever, uh, that makes it worth staying married, even if you're miserable. Just stay married. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I, I hated – I always hated going to anything where an ex was going to be, you know? Yeah. And then you add in the kids element to it. It's like, oh, God, I don't – you know. Talk about blowing – and it's usually like on a Saturday or Sunday when you'd rather be watching football (laughs) – or whatever, uh, yeah. and you got to yep. go see this asshole who's banging your ex-wife or whatever, and you're just, <laughs> yep. you're just you're ready to not have it after about three cheap beers. Yeah, yeah. Do you also realize everyone either went to school together or is second cousins? Or I mean, it's it's not <laughs> these places in Pennsylvania and, and Central Ohio. The the pool's just not that big. So when you're talking about exes, you're talking oh. about people who have long histories of knowing and hating one another. That's a good point. I mean, because, I mean, so I, you know, I go to a lot of these things. Um, you know, I have the luxury of being able to go stag um, when it's our own son's birthday party. Of course, we're we're both there. Um, the rest of them, we kind of trade off. But, you know, I've been to... I've been to, um, you know, when I, when I've had to go to a Chuck E. Cheese birthday party, a lot of times it's like for the family whose kid it is, this is a really big deal. And, um, it's a lot of money to them. And like the stakes feel high, you know, like you want it to be a successful event for Mm -hmm. the kids. And I think even without, you know, separations or divorces thrown in there, that just makes it more tense. Uh, you know, a lot of times they're in suburban locations. People had to drive a lot farther to get there. Um, this is a huge, um, you know, they're spending a lot of money on this. And, you know, just lay those things on top of just the normal, like, ennui of having as an adult to go to a kid's birthday party. <laughs> like, it's just frustrating. Just nobody really wants to be there. That's the problem. Well, when I was a kid, you know? I never really wanted to be at any of them either. And I never, well, there you I never go. There's that had too. one myself because I think I was about six. And I was just probably getting ready to be about the age where I could handle a birthday party. And we went to Farrell's on my birthday. Oh yeah. And and at Farrell's they they come busting out with a big bass drum and cymbals and the whole staff comes to wish you a happy birthday. As soon as sure. as soon as I heard that first beat on the bass drum, I was under the table. Aww. I was gone. I do not yeah. want the attention. So um, oh. so I'm, I'm, I'm coming from that background and I didn't like going to other kids, staying over at other kids' houses or going over to other kids' houses for formal stuff. I like going over there to play oh, or whatever, yeah. but you know, yeah. I didn't like all that structured bullshit and I, I, I was scared of adults and adults were always around those yeah. situations, you know, trying to run the stuff and I was, didn't want to do anything right. wrong or whatever. So what I really want to say about this clip is when this first happened on TBTL, I think it was a lot funnier to me than it is this time around. And it's for the same reason 
I think the guys discussed recently the the woman the drop of the woman saying just study you haven't done your homework, mister, just study it out. Study it out. Oh yeah. These are the people who are now getting their wish with who's running the country. You know, these are the kind of people mm. that throw down at Chuck E. Cheese and the kind of people that say you haven't done your homework, <laughs> mister, just study it out. Uh they were funny five, ten years ago. Now it ain't so funny to me with what's happening today as this show comes out. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Sorry about interesting. that. <laughs> no, I, I, I get it. I mean, I. It's interesting because my my experience of Chuck E. Cheese it, it wouldn't necessarily indicate that kind of leaning um, politically, mm-hmm. um, or that kind of composition ethnically. <laughs> um, so you know, I've been in very. Um, inclusive Chuck E. Cheese situation. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm, gl- I'm glad for you. <laughs> in, uh, you know, Kent and Tacoma. Yeah. So I don't have that association. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't personally. I guess I'm just picturing it as, as all, all white people from a certain socioeconomic background that want to make America great again by shoving their fists through <laughs> each other's teeth at Chuck well, E. Cheese on a Saturday afternoon. Without, without uh-huh. the risk of alienating our... Wonderful listeners and tens and wagoneers from Pennsylvania and Ohio. This particular clip did reference right through that Rust Belt. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. the, yeah. these locations, right. this, you know, we're not talking about a national cross section of Chuck E. Cheese's. This particular situation right. was talking about all pretty downtrodden, out of the way, somewhat rural. Because uh, it was this, and then it was uh, what were the Ohio locations? One was Toledo and Fairlawn, mm-hmm. Ohio. I mean, these are. Was it one in uh, right. Oxycontin, Pennsylvania? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> when, one of those town names? Well, I think that what we can take away from it um, as a positive is that everyone's miserable. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's the spirit. <laughs> That's a new yeah. segment. Phyllis brightsides it for us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, you know, you could be scrapping at a, you know, very diverse Chuck E. Cheese in Kent, <laughs> right. um, Washington, or um, a different one in Kent, Ohio. <laughs> you can go, yeah, you can go to the, go to the one in Auburn and mix it up with some, some uh, people of Islander descent or go to the one in Kent and sure. mix it up with some, some black fellas. You know, it's you really could reverse like that up the in Washington. The choice is yours. Yeah, yeah, it, the yeah, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> uh, worth noting, uh, Fairlawn, Ohio, is just just northwest of Akron, uh, not far mm-hmm. from uh, one Andrew Walsh's uh, native Valley City, Ohio, oh, just about Valley forty City. minutes away. So maybe not the closest Chuck E. Cheese, but you know, uh, in that area, also not far from Cuyahoga Falls. Just worth. So, oh, okay. So yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, happy Inauguration Day, guys. <laughs> right. I brought the room down. I'm sorry. No, I was wondering when we were going to get to it. Uh, this is a moment in our history. This is the moment when we take some of your jam money, Wagoneers, and back up all this audio on on hard disks we can bury somewhere so that post-nuclear apocalypse people can listen to this show. <laughs> uh, did either of you have anything else you want to add to this uh, commentary? Uh, not me, but I just want to say that uh, Trump is embarrassing. 
cats. I, I, there's no context for that, but he's just very embarrassing to me. Mm. Super embarrassing that he's our president. I don't care if you voted for Trump. It's embarrassing. It would be a strange time to travel now or be a yeah. be a um, expat ten. Right. <laughs> um, you know, because I think that being in other countries, you know, like when when you travel, you get a lot of questions about, you know, how did you Americans get to this point now? Um, you know, and I haven't traveled internationally for a very long time, but I remember that being part of it. And um, yeah, I think that a lot of people kind of don't understand where <laughs> we're at right now or how we got here. And I think that it'll be studied for decades. Um you know, like I was, I've been saying that ever since all the punditry, you know, um, that, you know, has been happening since, you know, the, the morning after or the night of, you know, everyone thinks they have all the answers to how we got here. Um, but we don't. And, um, you know, people will be studying it for a very, very long time. When your starting point is the rest of the world thinks you're a 500 pound Yosemite Sam. Right. And then you elect Trump. <laughs> Right. Wow, that's embarrassing. Right, right. It's a lot to make up for. I had this friend I worked with when I was in the software industry, and um, his impersonation of Americans was, that's a federal offense. <laughs> your Yosemite Sam comment reminded me of that just yeah, now. Yeah, they think but, we all, we're all packing over here. Yeah, we don't have the most sophisticated reputation. No. That's for sure. Uh, congratulations, America. You have been classified embarrassing by the man who once judged a girl for her inverted nipples. Oh, dear. <laughs> we all make mistakes. <laughs> right. Uh, just a little housekeeping. Yeah. Uh, we're doing a contest for archivists. Uh, each of us on the show is going to curate a – I can't call it a loot crate because that's a thing – but a crate full of loot uh, that we personally think you might enjoy. Uh, and we're going to give those away to various archivists based on how often they archive. We're going to draw some names. The more you archive, the more you're in. Every episode gets you a chance. We're all going to do that. I bet if we're nice to her, we might even be able to get Phyllis to get in on this action. Oh, yeah. I, I'm already mentally putting together my crate. See, there we go. That's one less chance of you getting Mike's crate. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, if you're a, if you're female or you have a menstruating female in your life, I have a product or two mm. in mind. <laughs> um, I uh, if you're um, menopausal, I might have a nice uh, nice handheld fan for you, or a, a parasol. Or if you have an earwax buildup problem, <laughs> right? A little little scoop for your ear. Yeah, I was thinking of doing like a portrait of one of my pets in uh, in like uh, used baby bill wax. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that'll be a nice balance to the insect board. Uh, right. If you have any questions about archiving, uh, feel free to reach out to Christy directly. It's honestly the best thing you can do. Or email littlewhitebandwagon at gmail.com. Speaking of reaching out and getting involved, you can be a guest co-host just like Amy was on our last episode. Yay! We are looking forward to having some fresh voices in here to do our work for us and mm -hmm. to give us their hot takes. Uh, same email, littlebitbandwagon at gmail.com, or Facebook, or Twitter, or whatever other way. Let us know if you're interested, and we can go from there. 
Um, we don't have a ton of opportunities because as much as we all love this, two shows a week is a good max. Uh, but we will start to pick away at that list and get more people involved in the show. We'd love to hear you. Uh, the website's littleredbandwagon.com. On Facebook, in the Stens page, and at our page, Little Red Bandwagon. Show Twitter, LRB Podcast. And, uh, of course, Phyllis, your Twitter handle? Phil Fletch. I don't know why you're not following her already. You should be. <laughs> One more time on that email, littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Voicemail is 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. And with that, I'll do it. Until next time, this is the next party. We love you, Jen. Nailed it. Well trilled. remember the smell. I mean, that motherfucker was dank. It was nasty.